0: section twenty four of lucretia borgia by ferdinand gregorovius this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by emily maynard book two chapter two formal entry into ferrara february first lucretia continued her journey to ferrara by the canal near malalbergo she found isabella gonzaga waiting to meet her at the urgent request of her father The marchioness, much against her will, had come to do the honors during the festivities in his palace. In violent anger, so she wrote her husband, who remained at home, she greeted and embraced her sister-in-law. She accompanied her by boat to Torre de la Fossa, where the canal empties into a branch of the Po. This river, a majestic stream, flows four miles from Ferrara, and only a branch, Di Ferrara, now known as the Canale di Cento, reaches the city where it divides into two arms, the Volano and Primaro, both of which empty into the Adriatic. They are very small canals, and therefore it could have been no pleasure to travel on them, nor was it an imposing spectacle. The Duke, with Don Alfonso and his court, awaited Lucretia at Torre della Fossa. When she left the boat, the Duke saluted her on the cheek, she having first respectfully kissed his hand thereupon all mounted a magnificently decorated float to which the foreign ambassadors and numerous cavaliers came to kiss the bride's hand to the strains of music and the thunder of cannon the cavalcade proceeded to the borgo san luca where they all descended lucretia took up her residence in the palace of alberto d'este Ercole's illegitimate brother here she was received by lucretia bentivoglio natural daughter of ercole and numerous ladies of her court the duke's seneschal brought her to madonna theodora and twelve young women who were to serve her as ladies-in-waiting five beautiful carriages each drawn by four horses a present from her father-in-law were placed at her disposal in this villa which is no longer in existence lucretia spent the night the suburb of san luca is still there but the entire locality is so changed that it would be impossible to recognize it. The seat of the Este was thronged with thousands of sightseers, some of whom had been invited by the duke, and others drawn thither by curiosity. All the vassals of the state, but not the reigning princes, were present. The lords of Urbino and Mantua were represented by the ladies of their families, and the house of Bentivoglio by Annibale rome venice florence lucca siena and the king of france had sent ambassadors who were lodged in the palaces of the nobles the duke of romagna had remained in rome and sent a representative it had been alexander's wish that caesar's wife charlotte d'Albret, should come from france to attend the wedding festivities in ferrara and remain a month but she did not appear with royal extravagance ercole had prepared for the festivities the magazines of the court and the warehouses of the city had been filled with supplies for weeks past whatever the renaissance had to offer that she provided in ferrara for the city was the seat of a cultivated court and the home of a hospitable bourgeoisie and also a town where science art and industry thrived lucretia's entrance february second was therefore one of the most brilliant spectacles of the age and as far as she herself was concerned, it was the greatest moment of her life, for she was entering into the enjoyment of the highest and best of which her nature was capable. At two o'clock in the afternoon, the duke and all the ambassadors betook themselves to Alberto's villa to fetch his daughter in law to the city. The cavalcade set out over the bridge, crossing the branch of the Po, to pass through the gate of Castel a fortress no longer in existence. At its head were seventy-five mounted archers in the livery of the house of Este, white and red, who were accompanied by eighty trumpeters and a number of fifes. Then came the nobility of Ferrara, without regard to rank, followed by the members of the courts of the Marchioness of Mantua, who remained behind in the palace, and of the Duchess of Urbino. Behind them rode Alfonso, with his brother-in-law, Annibale Bentivoglio, at his side, and accompanied by eight pages. He was dressed in red velvet in the French fashion, and on his head he wore a black velvet biretta, upon which was an ornament of wrought gold. He wore small red boots and French gaiters of black velvet. His bay horse was caparisoned in crimson and gold. On the way to Ferrara, Don Alfonso did not ride by the side of his consort, as this would have been contrary to the etiquette of the day. The bridegroom led the procession, near the middle of which was the bride, while the father-in-law came last. This arrangement was intended to indicate that Lucretia was the chief personage in the parade. Just behind Alfonso came her escort, pages, and court officials, among whom were several Spanish cavaliers, then five bishops, followed by the ambassadors according to rank. The four deputies of Rome mounted upon beautiful horses and wearing long brocade cloaks and black burettes coming next. These were followed by six tambourines and two of Lucretia's favorite clowns. Then came the bride herself, radiantly beautiful and happy, mounted upon a white jeanette with scarlet trappings, and followed by her master of horse. Lucretia was dressed in a loose-sleeved camorra of black velvet with a narrow gold border, and a cape of gold brocade trimmed with ermine. On her head she wore a sort of net, glittering with diamonds and gold, a present from her father-in-law. She did not wear a diadem. About her neck she had a chain of pearls and rubies which had once belonged to the Duchess of Ferrara, as Isabella noticed, with tears in her eyes. Her beautiful hair fell down unconfined on her shoulders. She rode beneath a purple baldachin, which the doctors of Ferrara, that is, the members of the faculties of law, medicine, and mathematics, supported in turn. For the purpose of honoring the king of France, the protector of Ferrara and of the Borgias, Lucretia had summoned the French ambassador, Philippe de la Roccaberti, to ride at her left, near her, but not under the Baldachin. This was intended to show that it was owing to this powerful monarch that the bride was entering the palace of the Este behind lucretia came the duke in black velvet on a dark horse with trappings of the same material on his right was the duchess of urbino clad in a dark velvet gown then followed nobles pages and other personages of the house of este each of whom was accompanied by one of lucretia's ladies the only important member of the family, not present, was Cardinal Ippolito, who had remained in Rome, and who, from that city, wrote Lucretia, January 16th, saying he had called on her son Rodrigo, and found him asleep. February 9th he wrote that the Pope had invited Caesar and himself together, with Cardinal Borgia and the Signora Principessa, this was Sancha, to supper. Of the women who accompanied Lucretia, only three were mounted girolima borgia wife of fabio orsini another orsini who is not described more explicitly and madonna adriana quote, a widowed noblewoman a kinswoman of the pope behind them came fourteen floats upon which were seated a number of the noblewomen of ferrara beautifully dressed including the twelve young ladies who had been allotted to lucretia as maids of honor then followed two white mules and two white horses decked with velvet and silk and costly gold trappings eighty-six mules accompanied the train bearing the bride's trousseau and jewels when the good people of ferrara saw them slowly wending their way through the streets they must have thought that alfonso had chosen a rich bride it never occurred to them that these chests boxes, and bales which were being carried through the streets with such ostentation were filled with a plunder of various cities of Christendom. at the gate near castle tedaldo lucretia's horse was frightened by the discharge of a cannon and the chief actor was thrown the bride rose without assistance and the duke placed her upon another horse whereupon the cortege started again in honor of lucretia there were triumphal arches tribunes orations and mythological scenes Among the last was a procession of nymphs, with their queen at their head, riding upon a bull, with satyrs disporting themselves about her. Sanazzaro may have thought that the epigram, in which he had referred to Giulia Farnese as Europa on the bull, suggested this representation of the Borgia arms. When the cavalcade reached the piazza before the church, two rope-walkers descended from the towers and addressed compliments to the bride thus was the ludicrous introduced into public festivities at that time it was now night and the procession had reached the palace of the duke and at the moment it did so all prisoners were given their liberty at this point all the trumpeters and fifes were massed it is impossible to tell exactly where the palace was situated to which lucretia was conducted the este had built a number of residences in the city which they occupied in turn Among them were Schifanoia, Diamanti, Paradiso, Belvedere, Belfiore, and Castle Vecchio. A local chronicler, in the year 1494, mentions, in enumerating the palaces of the lords of the House of Este, the Palazzo del Cortile and Castle Vecchio as belonging to the Duke, Castle Vecchio to Alfonso, and the palace of the Certosa to Cardinal Ippolito. Ercole, therefore in the year 1502 was residing in one of the two palaces mentioned above which were connected with each other by a row of structures extending from the old castle to the piazza before the church which ended in the palazzo della ragione they are still connected although the locality has greatly changed the duke's palace was opposite the church it had a large court with a marble stairway and was therefore called the palazzo del cortile this court is doubtless the one now known as the cortile ducale it was entered from the piazza through a high archway at the sides of which were columns which formerly supported statues of niccolo the third and borso the writers who describe lucretia's entrance into the city say that she dismounted from her horse at the steps of the marble court alle scale del cortile di marmo Here she was received by the marchioness Gonzaga and numerous other prominent ladies. Alfonso's young wife must have smiled, if, in the excitement of the moment she noticed it, when she found that the noble house of Este had selected such a large number of their bastard daughters to welcome her. She was greeted at the stairway by Lucretia, Ercole's natural daughter, wife of Annibale Bentivoglio, and three illegitimate daughters of Sigismondo d'Este lucretia countess of carrara the beautiful diana countess of uguzzoni and bianca sanseverino it was night and lights and torches illuminated the palace to the sound of music the young couple was conducted to the reception hall where they took their places on a throne here followed the formal introduction of the court officials and an orator delivered a speech apparently based on the information which the duke had instructed his ambassadors to secure regarding the house of borgia it is not known who was the fortunate orator but we are familiar with the names of some of the poets who addressed epithalamia to the beautiful princess Nicolaus Marius Panciatus composed a number of spirituel Latin poems and epigrams in honor of Lucretia, Alfonso, and Ercole, which were collected under the title of, Borges. Among them are some ardent wishes for the prosperity of the young couple. Lucretia's beauty is described as excelling that of Helen, because it was accompanied by incomparable modesty. Apparently, this youthful poet did not have his stanzas printed, for they exist only in a manuscript in the library of Ferrara. Before Lucretia's entry, the printer Laurentius published an epithalamium by a young Latinist, the celebrated Celio Calcagnini, who subsequently became famous as a mathematician. He was a favorite of Cardinal Ippolito and a friend of the great Erasmus. The subject matter of the poem is very simple venus leaves rome and accompanies lucretia nemosine admonishes her daughters the muses to celebrate the noble princess which they accordingly do the princes of the house are not forgotten for Euterpe sings the praises of terpsiscore lauds alfonso and calliope recites caesar's victories in the romagna another ferrarese poet makes his appearance on this occasion a man of whom much was expected ariosto who was then twenty-seven years old, and already known at the court of the Este and in the cultivated circles of Italy as a Latinist and a writer of comedies. He also wrote an epithalamium addressed to Lucretia. It is graceful and not burdened with mythological pedantry, but it lacks invention. The poet congratulates Ferrara, which will henceforth be the envy of all other cities, for having won an incomparable jewel." he sympathizes with rome for the loss of lucretia saying that it has again fallen into ruins he describes the young princess as pulcherrima virgo and refers to lucretia of ancient times on the conclusion of the festivities which greeted her on her arrival the duke accompanied lucretia to the apartments which had been prepared for her she must have been pleased with her reception by the house of este and the impression made by her own personality was most favorable the chronicler bernardino zambotto speaks of her as follows the bride is twenty-four years of age this is incorrect she has a beautiful countenance sparkling and animated eyes a slender figure she is keen and intellectual joyous and human and possesses good reasoning powers she pleased the people so greatly that they are perfectly satisfied with her and they look to her majesty for protection and good government they are truly delighted for they think that the city will greatly profit through her especially as the pope will refuse her nothing as is shown by the portion he gave her and by presenting don alfonso with certain cities lucretia's face judging by the medal must have been fascinating Cagnolo of Parma describes her as follows, She is of medium height and slender figure. Her face is long, the nose well-defined and beautiful, her hair a bright gold, and her eyes blue. Her mouth is somewhat large, the teeth dazzlingly white. her neck white and slender, but at the same time well-rounded. She is always cheerful and good-humoured. To indicate the colour of the eyes, Cagnolo uses the word bianco, which in the language of the people still means blue. In the folk songs of Tuscany collected by Tigri, there is frequent mention of occhi bianchi, that is, blue eyes. The Florentine Firenzuola, in his work on the quote, perfect beauty of woman, says she must have blonde hair and blue eyes, with the pupil not quite black, although the Greeks and Italians preferred it so. The most beautiful color for the eyes, according to this writer, is tane the poets of Ferrara, who immediately began to sing the dazzling power of the eyes of their beautiful duchess, did not mention their color. This remarkable woman charmed all beholders with her indescribable grace, to which there was added something of mystery, and not by any classic beauty or dignity. Vivacity, gentleness, and amiability are the qualities which all Lucretia's contemporaries discovered in her. This animated and delicate face, with large blue eyes and surrounded with golden hair suggest the ethereal beauty of Shakespeare's imogene end of chapter 2